Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. How much should tipped workers get paid? I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Now, if you're a tipped worker, like a restaurant server, bartender, or delivery driver, how much is enough for that base pay that you earn before tips? In Chicago, workers in that category now earn $9 an hour, with a wage hike to $9.48 an hour that's coming on July 1st. Now, that's well below the minimum wage of $15.80 that goes into effect in the city in a few days. And advocates for tipped workers, like our next guest, they say it's time for a change. They call the lower wage for tipped workers a, quote, sub-minimum wage. 35th Ward Alderman Carlos Ramirez Rosa represents parts of Logan Square, Irving Park, Avondale, and Hermosa in Chicago City Council. He and some fair wage advocacy groups want the state to implement a $15 minimum wage for all workers. Alderman, let's get right to it. Why do you think tipped workers should be paid the same minimum wage as non-tipped workers? Well, the uh, tip penalty, i.e., Uh, you make a lower minimum wage if you receive tips. That is a legacy of slavery. Um, After the abolition of slavery, white bosses felt, why do I have to pay a living wage to uh, formerly enslaved black people? And so in the um, railroad industry, in the restaurant industry, they said, well, you know what? We don't have to. Actually, what we'll do is we will uh, have them work on tips, solely on tips. And when the minimum wage went national uh, during the New Deal in 1938, the compromise was a carve out to say, if you get paid tips, you're not going to get a minimum wage. Uh, In theory, uh, the law stipulates that uh, if your tips don't get you up to the minimum wage, that your employer is supposed to make you whole. So they're supposed to pay the difference. Mm -hmm. But so often we see that that is not the case. And what we often find is that workers are actually subjected to wage theft. We have managers, we have employers putting their hands in the tip jar and taking that money and pocketing it, thousands and thousands of cases annually. Uh, We also have uh, the practice of um, sexual harassment. Uh, So many uh, tipped workers are women of color, and they often feel like they cannot tell someone no or they can't tell them, hey, I don't like the way that you're talking to me or I'm not going to wait on this table because they need those tips in order to make ends meet. Mm. And so the One Fair Wage campaign is a national campaign that has had success in many different places. And what the campaign seeks to do is to say we're going to get rid of the tip penalty. Uh, that's subminimum wage for tip workers. And moving forward, uh, workers in restaurants, workers at bars, they will get the full minimum wage with tips on top. Here on Reset, we recently uh, talked about a, a new study that was showing that Chicago area residents actually need to make $28 an hour to be able to afford a modest two-bedroom apartment. Your thoughts on that? Look, the minimum wage has not kept up with productivity. It has not kept up with inflation. Fifteen eighty is too low. And what we're advocating for here, and this is why this is such a simple change that we're pushing for, is to bring 
tipped workers up to the minimum wage right now in Chicago, which is fifteen eighty. Right. If you're saying fifteen eighty is too low, I mean, then you must think nine forty eight is ridiculous. Precisely. Precisely. And what we find is that there are certain workers in the restaurant industry that are doing really well. Research shows that if you are a white male server in a fancy steakhouse downtown, you're doing really good on tips. The current system is working well for you. But most restaurant workers aren't that. Most restaurant workers are in casual restaurants in neighborhoods. They're the ones that are making that nine uh, 48. They are the ones that are being subjected to sexual harassment. They're the ones that are not making enough in tips. They're the ones that are more subjected to wage theft, more subjected to sexual harassment. So if we get those workers up to the minimum wage, right, uh, for the city of Chicago with tips on top, that is going to be transformative for them. It's going to provide them with a little bit more stability than they have now. But you know that folks are still going to say the tips supplement the lower wage, right? And that's how it's always been. What do you say to that? So seven states have already implemented one fair wage. And what they have found is that people tip more in those states. The restaurant employment rate is higher in those states. And the restaurant growth rate is bigger in those states. Uh, California has one of the most robust restaurant industries in the nation. They have had one fair wage with tips on top for decades. Washington, D.C. right now has a booming restaurant industry. They, the voters, actually voted to implement one fair wage. Then the council repealed it. Then the voters said, you know what, city councilors that repealed the will of the voters, we're going to get you out of office. And now uh, the issue was put back on the ballot. It was won once again. Mm -hmm. And uh, Washington, D.C. has transitioned to one fair wage. They have very good restaurant industry growth. So it's good for workers. It's good for the economy. It's good for the industry. There are already 200 restaurants in the Chicagoland area that have voluntarily transitioned to one fair wage with tips on top. And the reality is, is that they're finding it difficult to hire people without that one fair wage. I have spoken to small restaurateurs in my community, in my ward, who are already starting out workers at $18 an hour. Yeah. So uh, the industry is moving this direction, and we want to make sure that everyone is catching up with that. And we'll actually later this hour hear from a, a restaurateur who has changed and is currently paying uh, her, her staff at the higher uh, wage. So you're saying if, if there's an increase in wages then for tipped workers, right, if we do make this change, does that bring them to bring parity to non-tipped workers? So this would mean that moving forward, um, there would not be a tip penalty. So you can still tip, you should still tip, but if a worker receives that tip, they will not be penalized and receive the subminimum wage. And we've actually seen that some um, corporations, right? And every time you go into that restaurant now, they, they give you that thing and they say, hey, do you want a tip? Yes. So now they're recording your practice of tipping and saying, well, we actually don't have to give that server a full minimum wage because now they're a tipped worker. So it's actually having an impact all throughout the industry, uh, and it's harming all types of workers, not just restaurant workers. It's it's harming workers, you know, at a fast casual place because they're saying, well, now they're getting tips, so therefore they get to get the subminimum wage. Mm. So- you're you're a close ally, rather, of our our mayor. Um, you serve as his floor leader in the council. Now he said that he wants to eliminate the lower wage for tipped workers. I mean, could we see this incorporated into his first budget proposal later this year? Well, I think that's a question um, that has to be figured out collaboratively with the mayors, members of the city council uh, and restaurants that have adopted one fair wage like the one you're going to hear from later on today. And uh, those uh, that have not yet uh, transitioned and and gone in this direction. Um, It's going to have to be a collaborative conversation. I was really happy we had four restaurants 
uh, catering breakfast at City Hall mm-hmm. uh, this past council meeting in June. Uh, these are all restaurants that have already voluntarily transitioned to one fair wage. So they were there talking to city council members, explaining to them why this is good for the industry, why it's good for workers, why it's good for the restaurants. Uh, and I'm really excited uh, that Mayor Johnson next uh, month is going to be with the one fair wage campaign, uh, meeting restaurant workers, talking about the importance of this issue. So I'm hopeful uh, that in the coming weeks, if not months, we can figure out a path forward together mm-hmm. uh, to pass this. The mayor ran on it, uh, and this is a gender equity issue. This is an issue that impacts the black community. This is an issue that impacts low-wage workers and impacts our city as a whole. And if we're able to raise that tide, it's going to lift all boats. So my understanding after reading some reporting from our Sun-Times colleague, Fran Spielman, uh, is that it's not a question of if this is going to happen. It's It's more of how many years is the restaurant industry going to have to implement the change, right? So so what do you think is on the table here? Is it a year, three years, well, five years? You know, the head of the Illinois Restaurant Association has gone on record with the press and said when this has occurred in most cities, it's occurred over five years. Um, at the same time, I've heard from uh, restaurant workers, I've heard from restaurant owners that have said, we're already doing this, right? We've already transitioned to one fair wage in our restaurant. We see no reason why we can't do it in one year, in a few months. So I think that is, you're absolutely right. I, I don't think that we're talking about if it will happen. I think the conversation has moved to when and how it will happen. And those conversations have just begun. Yeah. And to your point, uh, president of the Illinois Restaurant Association, Sam Toya, who we'll talk to in just a moment here on the program, uh, says that he's willing to negotiate that five-year phase out. Now, in the past, he's expressed concerns that this could hurt small businesses. Do you hear those concerns at all? Inflation is still an issue, right? That's that's on record. And being the owner of a, a mom and pop restaurant, it's not easy. Yeah. Most of the mom and pop restaurant owners that I've heard from have said, we're already moving in this direction. Um, you know, if you phase it in over several years, you're talking about a $1, 125 increase over time. Um, that's barely keeping you up with inflation, right? Uh, or it, it's behind, uh, you know, inflation. So I, I do think that this is feasible. Um, and ultimately, the research shows that the cities and the states that have implemented one fair wage, their restaurant industry is doing better. Why? Because when that worker has more disposable income in their pocket, guess what? They're spending it at your restaurant. They're spending it at your bar. They're going down the block and they're spending it there on their lunch. So a rising tide lifts all boats and uh, transitioning to one fair wage will actually not just help the workers, it will help the restaurant industry as a whole. Yeah. You mentioned, uh, Alderman, young people, people of color, Women, they're the ones most likely to work these jobs relying on tips. So who is on your mind as you work on this issue, right? I mean, is there a particular person in your ward that comes to mind or someone in your life that you think of? You know, as I've worked on this issue for many years, I have met so many black and Latina uh, women who have told me I am subjected to sexual harassment on my job. During the pandemic, when there were masking requirements, so many workers faced harassment from customers who said, take that mask off. I want to see what your face looks like. And in states that have adopted one fair wage, restaurant workers report half the rate of sexual harassment because they feel empowered, right? Because they know, hey, I'm making a full minimum wage with tips on top. I can say to that customer, get the heck out of here. Right. Or, you know what? I'm not going to wait that table. They're being disrespectful to me. They got to go. So I'm thinking about the lowest paid workers in our economy um, who do so much 
uh, to keep their households, to keep their neighborhoods, to keep our city, our nation afloat. And they need a raise. They deserve a raise. Uh, they work so hard. They've gone through so much uh, over the past several years during this pandemic. A million workers have left the restaurant industry as a result of the harassment, as a result of the low wages. Um, I'm, I'm thinking about those uh, black and Latina women uh, who, who need this raise. Yeah. Uh, earlier in the show, we um, we talked about the mayor's pledge to, to double the number of summer jobs here in the city. And your colleague, Alder Jesse Fuentes from the 26th Ward, says that uh, you, you raise minimum, you, you raise wages for, for tipped workers and you're helping youth. You're also helping you know their families. What do you see as uh, you know some of the potential downstream effects of raising this wage? Yeah. Well, the restaurant industry, the service industry is the single biggest employer for uh, young people. Mm-hmm. Um, if we can make this industry one that is stable, that turns it into a career. Right. It's not just something where you go and you make a few bucks and you're, you're not making enough money to make ends meet and you're subjected to harassment and you're subjected to wage theft. Instead, it becomes one where you say, you know what, I see a future for myself and for my family in this industry, in this sector. Uh, and of course, again, it provides young people with more uh, disposable income. Uh, as my colleague, Alderman Fuentes, pointed out when we had our uh, rally in support of this at City Hall last week, she talked about how young people oftentimes are helping, particularly in immigrant families and low-income families, they're helping their families pay the bills. They're helping their family pay the cell phone bill, the electric bill, the internet bill, and so the rent. And so providing those young people with additional income is going to help the family as a whole. Alderman Carlos Ramirez Rosa represents Chicago's 35th Ward on the Northwest side. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Good to see you. I want to turn now to another voice in this conversation. Sam Toya is the president of the Illinois Restaurant Association. Welcome to Reset, Sam. Thanks for having me. So we, we just heard from the alderman on, on why he wants to put an end to uh, what advocates are calling the sub-minimum wage. What are your thoughts on what he had to say there? First off, um, I, I understand, you know, I heard everything that the alderman had to say. He's a great communicator, like, like working with him. But uh, employers, as he did mention, employers must make up the difference between the tip wage and minimum wage if the tips during a shift don't bridge that gap. And it's going up to 9.48 an hour, uh, and there is data out there from the National Restaurant Association that shows that $27 is the mundane um, take-home pay for weight people, and it goes up to 41.50 as the highest-paid earners. So there is data out there to show that. We 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 don't think it's a good idea right at this point because small and independent-owned restaurants and the workers are the backbone of the Chicago economy, right? And these small businesses are in a fragile state of recoveries they tried to rebuild from years of financial distress following the pandemic. You know, four years ago when uh, Mayor Lightfoot considered raising the wage for, for tipped workers, at the time, you, you said that keeping it at that lower level, quote, balanced the needs of hardworking Chicagoans with, quote, neighborhood businesses that drive our economy. Do you still agree with that today? Again, we don't think it's a good idea right now because we're just coming out of the pandemic, but we are pragmatic and we are listening. Um, I always say I'd rather be at the table than on the menu. Uh, so again, communication is the key to success. And any kind of proposed legislation will have a profound impact on these businesses and the future of the restaurant industry for many years to come. Again, 
you know, restaurants in the central business district, a little bit different than restaurants in Rogers Park or Jefferson Park or Chatham or Little Village. So I'm also concerned about the small independent restaurants because 95 to 97 cents of every dollar that comes into a restaurant goes out for labor costs, product cost, and fixed cost. And with inflation being what it is right now, it's really hard for a lot of the mom-pa restaurants, again, like I said, in the neighborhoods to keep up. So I want to hear, you know, what, what the ordinance is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's premature to comment on specific legislation until it is drafted and presented. But we, again, want to communicate and figure this out because uh, it's all about Chicago and the Chicago workers and the small business owner. Right. And in the meantime, we can try to really understand the impact here. I mean, $9 an hour or, or nine forty-eight as of July 1st. Like, would you say most tipped workers are making more than that? in the restaurant industry, like significantly more? Again, there's data out there from the National Restaurant Association that shows $27 hourly mundane take-home pay and $41.50 for the highest paid earners. So to answer your question, yes. How much would you say your average server or other tipped worker in the restaurant industry makes per year? Again, it goes from $27 to about $41.50 an hour. So you know, and again, the restaurant industry is an industry that you can still enter without a college degree and get to middle class. You could start out as a busboy, become an assistant manager, become a manager, become a general manager, become an owner of a restaurant. We do have members that started out literally as busboys that own restaurants right now. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's fair to say that there's an affordability crisis in many cities in the country. Chicago is is no exception there. Folks need to make $24 an hour to afford just a one-bedroom rental, right? And $28 uh, an hour to to be able to afford a a modest two-bedroom in this city. It's really hard out there for individual people. What about for restaurant owners? What what kind of challenges would you say they're up against? Again, the restaurant industry, if you're an owner-operator, as I mentioned earlier, 95 to 97 cents goes out the door for labor costs, product costs, and fixed costs. With, you know, again, obviously with property taxes going up, with inflation, uh, it's really hard for the uh, small independent restaurants in our neighborhoods, like I said, from Rogers Park to Jefferson Park to Chatham to Little Village. So we want to be at the table. We want to listen. We want to try to figure this out. But we don't want to hurt our small independent restaurants in our neighborhood because Chicago is a city of neighborhoods, right? And we want to make sure that all restaurants... Uh, are being are at the table because restaurants are the soul of every neighborhood here in the city of Chicago. You know, you you've indicated that you're ready to negotiate that five year phase in of, of a higher minimum wage for tipped workers. Can I ask why five years? Again, we we still haven't seen any legislation. We don't think it's a good idea right now because we're just coming out of the pandemic. But we are pragmatic and we are and we want to listen. Uh, and. Again, restaurants, business models, as as most of your listeners know, they work on five-year plans. So that's why I've always said the five-year plan. But again, employers must make up the difference between the tip wage and minimum wage if the tips during a shift don't bridge that gap. And if there's workers out there that are not making the minimum wage between the nine forty-eight an hour and the tips, they should call Business Affairs and Consumer Protection 311 and report it because we do not back bad actors here at the Illinois Restaurant Association. That's Sam Toya, president of the Illinois Restaurant Association. Thank you so much for taking the time.
Thank you for having me. Let's hear from Tony in Chatham. Hey, Tony, welcome to Reset. Hey there. Um, I've been studying like wage theft history, you know, for a little bit. And it's just been amazing to me that people think that it's okay to run a business that you can't afford to run. If you can't afford to pay your workers minimum wage, you can't afford to have a business. It's very simple. It's very clear. But because we've lived in a racist society that was built on tipping as a racist way to keep money, people from making money, then it's acceptable. And it's not. Mm. And I think everybody needs to understand how to run a business to be able to pay your employees. Thanks for calling, Tony, and, and sharing your thoughts. Now, we just heard from the Illinois Restaurant Association Now let's turn to restaurant owners themselves. Now, some restaurant owners, they're taking matters into their own hands and they're raising their pay to ensure that all workers make at least full minimum wage. Terry Evans is one restaurant owner who's making this a reality for her staff. She's the owner of Windy City Ribs and Whiskey on Cermak and Michigan. All right, Terry, so you heard that comment. You were also listening into my conversation just before the break with the alderman and uh, with the president of the Illinois Restaurant Association. So I'm curious, what are your thoughts? Right off the bat, you know, I think I think the caller um, just gave us a sense of the human the human element behind all of this. Um, understanding and running a business since 2018, wages and the conversation around wages impacts so many more aspects of your business. The customer service that's executed, the quality of care of people taking care of the back of the house, the front of the house, and so yes, I think the caller's point. Um, is very valid in that the wage conversation is such an important conversation, which is the reason why this platform that you're doing today um, is so important. Is it an easy discussion to have and figure out? Absolutely not. You know, mm. um, we are very proud to be a high roads kitchen restaurant and be a part of one fair wage. And that's simply from the ethics and the morality behind how do you have your individuals show up every day and do not have the ability to pay their bills. Yeah, right? talk us through that because, I mean, we have been hearing some of the concerns about requiring restaurants to, to pay all their employees at least this full minimum wage. So remind us when and why you you did it. You raised all your staff's pay to full minimum wage. You know, it was interesting. I met Saru, um, who's behind a One Fair Wage organization, um, back in 20, I was invited to a discussion where I met her and she educated me on the tipped process and the the history behind tip wages and understanding that component of it. I hadn't looked at it in that way. I had been 17, 18 years in corporate America. My checks um, arrived every two weeks. My 401k grew mm-hmm. <laughs> every two weeks. And so this was a very new process for me to work within an hourly worker um, space. And what I realized and recognize is, is that you have individuals that show up every day for work for decades with no benefits, um, not with the ability to save money. And that was really depressing for me. And so my father, who's no longer living, always said, meet people where they are and everyone doesn't get the same chance as you. Mm-hmm. And so although I've been in, and have had the opportunity to have some great experience experiences that have taken me um, on different career paths. Not everybody has the ability to be able to show up with that background in history. Yeah. But it doesn't mean it's fair. Yeah. I mean, folks on the other side of this say that this would have a devastating impact on restaurants. A hundred percent. Despite that, you are still focused on, as you, you put it, 
the human side of things? Well, I think you have to, right? And so I think if you look at it from a long-range standpoint, my longest employee has been with me um, since the beginning. And so we take care of the understanding that when he goes home at night, he should not have to work multiple jobs. He should not have to figure out how he's going to pay his rent or mortgage and take care of his family. And so I think that's a real issue within this restaurant industry is that people have to work multiple jobs because the one job doesn't pay enough for them to be able to show up for you every day. When you made the change, were there challenges for you, though? Oh, 100 percent. Like what? I think just figuring out how to balance this wage component. And it's not easy. It's 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 I tell people, don't call me on Thursday because I pay payroll on Wednesday. And and so you have to realize that there are ways that you have to operate your business that look very different than maybe your neighbors that are not providing that livable wage component. Um, but it doesn't mean that as a business owner, I can shy away from it or, or not take the responsibility to make sure that my people are taken care of. Yeah. Let's jump back to the phones, shall yeah, we? Here's absolutely. David in Rogers Park wants to weigh in. Hey, David, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Um, I just want to weigh in that I absolutely am that um, the alderman's right and that the wages need to be much higher for our salary. Uh, sorry, our, um, our, um, our tipped workers. workers. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. And even, you know, there's a mention of that $28 uh, an hour. Absolutely, I would fully support that if that meant that tipping was eliminated. Um, in no other, you know, industry does the customer also have to pay for the wages of the, of the worker when you're buying a product. Um, and so we absolutely should raise the wages of uh, restaurant workers much higher, um, but then also require uh, restaurants to actually pay, pay, pay the wages as opposed to having expectation of customers doing it. Thanks for sharing your thoughts, David. Appreciate the call. Here is Odd in Humboldt Park. Hi, welcome to Reset. Hi, thank you. Uh, I worked in restaurants for about a decade, and there's no way that I was making today's equivalent of $27 an hour, uh, as as the, the last guest said, um, because my my quality of living was a lot lower than it is now making $21 an hour. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the reality. Thank you, Odd, for, for calling us. So, you know, Odd says there's there's no way I would have been able to afford these prices now, you know, making what I what I make. You know, Terry, we know the pandemic had a, a big impact on your industry. Right. And in, in a lot of ways, do you think that this change would have happened this soon had it not been for this major shift in restaurant culture that happened in the last three years? No, I think um, I think the restaurant industry and the employees that sat on the other side of the table decided that they were going to stand up and say, look, you saw the impact when restaurants were closed and people couldn't get food or get the experiences that they had pre-COVID. And so I think it allowed that voice to be much louder um, as well as require the industry to take a look and say, what happens if we decide to not come back or what happens if we decide to move and shift to a different industry that's going to respect and pay us what we know our worth is. And so I do think that COVID had a huge impact mm. of of waking up the industry to saying you have to pay for the service that we're providing. And um, I think it's only fair. Do you think that this so-called subminimum wage is a livable wage in Chicago? You know, I think people should be able to live where they work. And I think that when you look at the numbers and you do the financials and you look at the cost of living right now, why is it that 
if I am in a different industry that I should be able to afford the things that if you're working in the restaurant industry, you can't afford. Mm -hmm. But I'm providing that service to individuals that are coming into the restaurant every day. And so I think you have to just look at it from a human impact. It's been like that for so long. Absolutely. And we have to change the mindset, right? And so it's also about changing the mindset of your customers because I think there is a price and a sticker shock when people recognize you have to pay for that service. And my question back to them is, if you don't want to pay the cost of the smoke wings at Windy City Ribs and Whiskey, then you can try to make your smoke wings at home. But I have to pay for the cost of producing this meal to put it on your table. Mm. And I have to pay for the cost of making sure that my employees are greeting you with a smile and not worried about paying their phone bill. And I think that 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 is changing the mindset of not just the industry, but your customers as well. How's your staff reacted to the the full minimum wage shift that you created? I think it gives the flexibility and the comfort level of being able to show up in a different mindset. Um, Would I say that we still have a ways to go as far as increase? Absolutely. We need the consistency of the industry to get back on its on its foot. So I think uh, what we hear from from all of your guests today, there's there's reality in everything that's been said. The industry still has some bounce back that needs to happen. But I do not think that we have to bear that on the backs of the people that show up for us, that wash the dishes, that cook the food, that smoke the ribs. I think that we have to take ownership as from an ownership standpoint and and figure out how to get this done. And then that goes back to some of the conversations we've had prior, the capital conversation, right? It goes back to ensuring that, that we are financially feeding into the industry so that we can do things the right way and we're not cutting costs with our labor and our wages, that we're doing it the right way as owners with a, more, with a moral ethics behind it. Mm. Now let's jump back to the phones. Here's Angela in Naperville. Hey, Angela. Hey, Sasha. How are you? I love your show all oh, the time. Thank you so much. What are your thoughts on this restaurant conversation? Um. My point is that who will pay the final one? Because you can raise up the minimum to $20, $25, but the restaurant owner will not put this one, eat the, all these costs. And they will transfer this cost to the customer, consumer. And then for a certain point level, and can consumer afford it? That's my point. Because you yeah. can do whatever, but who will final pay? Who will pay? Yeah, thank you for calling, Angela. I mean, you- Angela brings up a point that I think a lot of people are thinking, right, is someone's got to pay for it in the end. And and what she says here is that it goes from the restaurant owner to the consumer. I, I think this sort of feeds into the point you were making Absolutely. just a moment ago. Absolutely. And, and, and does and, and where do we find that balance? Right. It is it's it's literally the comment that we just talked about. And I think your caller is is spot on. It's It's finding the medium where. Yes, there is going to be some loss on the end of the owner, but there's going to also have to be some level of increase that the customer is going to have to meet in order for us to do the right thing as an industry. If you want to come in and dine. And you're getting quality food. And you're getting quality food. And you're getting food that came out with love and and, and with care. Don't you want the individual on the other end of that that has enough of the ability to be able to take care of their family? I mean, I think it still goes back to that question. Let's hear from another caller. Here's Saad Rudin in Rogers Park. Hi, welcome to the show. 
Hi, good morning. Uh, this is Adudin Narani. Yes, uh, my question, I, I do hear you all the time, Sasha, and I enjoy listening to you. Thank you so program. much. And uh, the couple of callers did cover my subject, so, you know, I'm, I still want to talk about those who depend on tips, uh, those who are delivery drivers. Okay. It's also a big uh, problem because a lot of people are paid only five to six dollar an hour. I know them personally, only make six, five to six dollar an hour, and then they depend on uh, tips. Yeah. So thank you for calling Sadruddin. So I mean, he's making the point here that I mean, the tips are still important, right? I mean, as we're increasing this uh, sub minimum wage to a full minimum wage, it's still important as a customer to tip. These people are depending on your tip to to make their way. Yes, I, th- I think you know. I think uh, the the comment is um, the wage on top of tips, right? And so I th- I don't think it's a fair discussion to say that you're going to take away the tips. Um, because you've offset the yeah. wages, right? So leave us with this. Leave us with some advice for other restaurants who might want to follow in your footsteps. So One, one Fair Wage is a great organization um, that educated me um, over five years ago with training, uh, with support, uh, with education behind making this transition. But I would also just challenge everyone to think about it. If this was your daughter, if this was your son, if this was your mother or father that had to show up every day um, in the kitchen, eight to 10 hours, depending on the day, depending on the shift or work in front of the house and, and deal with all type of mindsets of customers coming through, what is the wage that you think is fair that you want them to be able to serve your food um, in the right mindset. And so then I would ask you, is that 5 or $6 additional that you um, may have to shift to, to pay for that, yeah. right? Don't you think that value is there? And so I would just challenge us, challenge all of us to get out of the selfish mindset of just looking at it from an individual standpoint, but think about it in the fact of from a human standpoint and the ethics, what the would people. you do? Think about the people. Terry Evans is the owner of Windy City Ribs and Whiskey. Thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This episode of Reset was produced by Brenda Ruiz and edited by Ethan Schwab and Dan Tucker. Now, if you're looking for more ways to connect with Reset, well, have you subscribed to our newsletter? Come on, what are you waiting for? You're going to get personal recommendations for things to see and do around Chicago from our fellow neighbors. Plus, you get all the major headlines about our region. Go to wbez.org slash Reset News. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll see you back here this afternoon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.